0: Brighton Talks Sex, the sex Sex. education we never had at school.
1: You're listening to Brighton Talks Sex.
0: Sponsored by She Said Boutique, bringing to you the finest selection of designer lingerie, burlesque fashion, adult toys and erotica. Welcome to Brighton Talks Sex. Today I'm with Jamie McCartney, the um, inspiration and creator of The Great Wall of Vagina. Hi, Jamie.
1: Hi, Michelle.
0: I'd like you to share with us the very beginning, that moment when the inspiration came to you to create The Great Wall of Vagina, if that's how it started.
1: It's interesting, you know, I can't put my finger on when exactly the, the notion to make, the Great Water Vagina came about
0: mm-hmm. because,
1: you know, it it was kind of an idea. It was a sort of the, the sort of nugget of an idea that I was kind of pushing along with lots of other projects, that sort of crystallised due to a number of different influences. So it was really I'd been doing some casts of of vulvas, and um, but more just from a sort of curiosity point of view. I was like, oh look, that's quite interesting. Look at them all different. Um, I didn't really see a purpose for that. It mm-hmm. was more just, you know...
0: But why? Why did you start casting lovers?
1: Because I had a body casting business mm-hmm. and uh, I had girlfriends and you play about <laughs> in that fashion from time okay. to time. So this you know, this was really the the, the, the very beginning was, uh, you know, long-suffering girlfriends, shall we say. But, you know, so this... Um, This ability was there. Um, A a friend who was a journalist had discovered this and decided to write a piece about it as if vulva casting was a thing. But you know what Mm -hmm. journalists are like. It wasn't a thing. They want to make it a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And later on, she was a a researcher for a sex museum in London, which has since closed. But they wanted to do a wall of genitals, and she suggested they did it with me instead of with pictures. And so I created this wall of genitals Uh, which was men and women together, um, which was called The Spice of Life. And it was while I was casting women for that, that I um, became aware how anxious women are about, or some women are about their genitals. And for me, this was totally new information. And they'd say things like, I wish mine looked like that one when they were looking at the cast of the other women. And I'd go, why? Mm -hmm. What's wrong with your one? And they'd be like, well, look at this one, it's so neat, it hasn't got any frilly bits or whatever. And I'd be like, well, that's a good thing. (laughs) I mean, you know, for a man Mm. who actually quite, quite likes um, uh, a a vulva, vagina, labia, all the bits, Mm. um, you know, I didn't see that, that minimizing them was particularly helpful. Mm. I was like, you know, it was like, well, what's, you know, bring it on sort of thing, Mm. you know. So I I was quite curious about why would this idea exist that somehow the more juvenile, the better. Mm. and of course you know what i discovered was that 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 there was um a sort of trope in pornography i think and certainly in softcore pornography that was this you know if the labia were visible then that was hardcore and so within the porn industry smaller labia were sort of part of the of the the aesthetic that was required and it was giving the men who look at pornography maybe the idea that that was the way women should be mm. and then would end up shaming women who they were with whose labia were bigger because they'd be like oh what's that
0: you know there is a lot of shaming around you know vulvas and the perfect porn pussy let's say Um, there is it's incredible and and even the cosmetic surgery that is now on the market that supports that that you know as a woman there is this idea that there is one perfect looking vulva and anything other than that makes us feel awkward or odd or shameful or embarrassed yeah absolutely
1: um, i hear you you know and it's interesting from a man's perspective
0: mm. or from
1: this man's perspective which is i guess is the only one i can really speak from <laughs> is that you know um, there is no single aesthetic of you know i'm like i, I there's i've never seen one i hadn't like you know mm-hmm. so well you know <laughs> I'm sorry I'm just happy to be near one. I don't really mm-hmm. particularly care what it looks like, you know. Mm. And you know, I think you know, we, we, men have have uh, had to be put up with sort of penis shaming and ridiculing for forever. I mean, I think mm. for considerably longer because they're visible through pubic hair. Whereas, if you think about it, labour have largely been invisible for their entire natural history until yes. we started taking it all off. Mm. So suddenly women are exposing their labia, if you like, should we say, mm. for the first time in history. Well, this isn't true. I mean, shaving has gone on. But, you know, generally it's become a trend in the last, say, 20 years. Mm. Um, and so for the women are exposing their labia, they're becoming much more visible. And here's a fantastic way to, to shame them to mm. make them think they've got a problem that needs fixing. So there's a whole industry out there based on making women feel defective mm. so they can be sold a fantastic fix. And mm. that's not just surgery. I mean, there's makeup are doing it, you know. There's uh, mm. ev- it's about every industry on, uh, uh, um, which focuses on women is about making them feel like they need this to be attractive. Yes. So they're playing into people's insecurities, fashion, you know, all of these, these things mm. are really... But the more extreme when you're actually seeking surgery to make yourself attractive, to me mm. that is actually means that there's actually something a bit wrong going on in our society. Yes. And that, that's what sort of upsets me. And I've been a sort of socio-political artist for a long time. I used to work on a peace boat when I was very young and I discovered the, the power of direct action. And then when I brought mm. that into my artwork, I realized that art can have a direct action as well. So art as a so- tool for social change is part of what I do. Mm-hmm. So discovering this anxiety women have really got my attention,
0: mm. and that
1: was, if you like, was the was the, the inception of the Great Wall of Britannia. I was like, well, I cast my penis in this wall of genitals, and cast eight, 17 other men, and was able to compare my penis for the first time. Mm. Uh, and at my grand old age, was like, oh wow, I'm perfectly normal. All this anxiety I've been carrying around my about my my dick not being porn sized was was just taken away in one moment just by going oh, oh. phew well that's all right then <laughs> And so I just realised um, the casting could be quite a powerful tool to get help people over these anxieties so yes. you know
0: so, so yeah. what did you find the experience of women was that you were casting you know was there a was there a process that they went through and come into a realisation of acceptance?
1: Yeah, so I, there was, you know, there was, there's 400 um, plaster casts in the, in the Great mm-hmm. Wall of Vagina of 398 different women.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's two I cast twice. Um, I can come to that. but um, So obviously loads of different experiences in that. And it, it, over that five years it took t- to do that now,
0: thanks but they all had a different story they all
1: had a different story, and that was what was really interesting for me. and what a privilege mm. for me to spend five years of my life discussing with women mm-hmm. really quite intimate stuff that because this is no bullshit when you 're lying there with your legs apart <laughs> no. in front of a complete stranger mm. um, and just sort of really getting down to to, to, um, to cases and' just sort of having those really honest discussions. And for a lot of women, this was sort of part, a sort of therapeutic thing for them to help them get over some anxiety that they've got. They felt this would be helpful. Mm. And very often it was to get over some pretty serious things as well. So it may not have been general anxiety. It might have been all sorts of stuff. Some women were coming saying, I came because I wanted to claim my vagina back and do something with it I wanted to do after an abusive relationship or after rape or lots of there's there's some really serious reasons people came but it became a sort of therapeutic tool in itself Hmm. and some women who'd come to go cast they looked at the cast they were like it's not what I thought it looked like at all so they had a very distorted view of what they looked like so in a way this was like oh Oh, it's not bad at all. Oh, it's much smaller than I thought. (laughs) And all that Mm. sort of stuff, you know. And I I have since worked with with anorexic women Mm. making casts and they've seen what they really like. And it's like somehow you can see something in the cast that you can't see in the mirror. Yes. It's almost some sort of in the mirror there's an expectation of what you're going to see and therefore that's what you see. But with the cast, I guess it just short-circuits that because you haven't seen a cast to yourself before. So it becomes, I think, much more real. Mm. But these women were going, hooray! You know, hooray! <laughs> walking away with a, with a different point of view. And there was one woman that said to me that she hadn't had sex for something like 13 years after she'd had her children because she was so anxious about the mm. way that it had changed her vagina she thought it looked like it exploded Mm. and it just looked like another vagina to me it didn't look any Mm. different
0: well that's another concern for women regarding their genitals is that after childbirth it's obviously going to look different but there's a whole shaming around not only just looking different but it feeling different so it's a wonderful gift for women to actually celebrate what it looks like afterwards because it has birth to baby or babies, and that's something to celebrate, not to be sure. Well, it is
1: one of its major purposes, exactly. you know. I mean, so <laughs> it's what
0: it was designed for. <laughs> largely,
1: yeah. yeah. So to sort of somehow think that that then is. Is doing a wrong thing is, is mm. you know, and when obviously people elect to get it out of the sunroof these days to avoid mm. any, you know, damage to their vagina. But we, you know, research shows us that that may not be the best thing for the baby or for the mm. person. That's pretty serious surgery, over the fear that somehow this is going to explode your your vagina. And you know, interesting enough, I I wanted to include a woman before and after her first baby in the wall because it's a question people have. Mm. That it was hugely disappointing that she was identical Hmm. afterwards than before because I thought maybe, you know, we'd see some small Mm. changes but nothing too dramatic. And there was this is one of those people who just sprang back.
0: Also, um, when you were speaking with us last week, you were sharing that um, some of the women that came along were also going through surgery themselves because of sex change. So that's really interesting what you shared with us there, how they were going through from woman to man or man to woman. Could you share a little bit about their experiences of being casted?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think for, for a, a you know, man who is going to get um, a sex change to, to get a sort of a neo-vagina created... Mm. There's obviously a lot of anxieties. I am. Is is how is this going to look? Is this going to look mm. real, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. And I know that that particularly there's a there's a clinic um, in Brighton that that does a lot of uh, surgeries. And, and I know that the surgeons there use my book to mm. show them 400 different vaginas and change their perceptions about what it is that it's going to look like. not there? Isn't one model? So, don't no. worry, we're going to make something and it's going to be mm. particular to you, like every vagina is particular to that person. They're, they're not all, there's none that you like.
0: It's kind of like our face is yeah, particular sadly, to us, so why isn't our. You know, going I mean, why do
1: you think they can fingerprint people? Mm. Because we're all different, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's sort yeah. of. They could vagina print people. but I you're was probably about to say, yeah.
0: that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like potato printing. <laughs> there you go. Actually,
1: I did try that. Did you? When, yeah, yeah. When, we, when I was thinking about how to do the Great Wall of Vagina, sort of poster paint and paper was mm-hmm. one version. I quite
0: fancy that idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> was, kinda, it was fun but because it, mm. it could have democratised it in that anyone could have done it at home and then sent me the results. Mm. And I also thought about photographs, but that's... Too pornographic. I tried scanning, you know, using a document scanner. You know, you've seen my other work, um, but that just seemed too dangerous. Getting people to sit on two millimeters of glass and expect that to go well. Yeah. Plus, it's quite hard to squat on a scanner. Believe it or not, <laughs> I tried it. It's not very nice. Um, uh, so the casting became the the, the 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 tool in the end. I mean, I have mm-hmm. a body casting business, so that was always on the menu. But um, it, it, I'm very glad I did in the end because there's something about casting. It's accurate and it's to scale. You know exactly. Mm. It's the size Mm. and I think that's quite important because from a photograph you can't really tell scale, you
0: know. Mm. There's something very valuable you said as well about um, a photograph. There's something, I can't remember quite what it was, but when there's a photograph it's flesh coloured and it wasn't just about the pornography side, it was about people's experiences whereas the cast um, is not colour.
1: Yeah, so removing the, the color gets rid of any issues of race for a start. Yeah. So you know, we meant that had, had, there wasn't there weren't very many women of color in the Great Wall of Vagina, partly because we live in Brighton and the demographic mm. is just very white here, isn't it? Um, so it would have kind of said, "This is what black women look like,"
0: Yeah. and that would have
1: been ridiculous as a tiny mm. survey. So by removing race and that issue, I think that was really really important. So it's mm. just we're just looking at the architecture of the. Mm. Of the vulva, but well, we were talking about trans people, and mm. and it was, I think, for the for everyone that came, either during their 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 process of the transitioning or subsequent to, it was a really interesting process for them to really see, you know, how they looked, um, and this was also true of a couple of women who'd had some serious vulva surgeries. There were two women that had think something called a radical vulvectomy because they'd had vulval cancer and they were you know it's quite a lot of your vulva is removed and your sort of anus and it's very the whole thing is quite exposing take away the the color and the fact that 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 surgery is still quite livid from from the surgery so it's still quite red Mm. and it's slowly going back to a more natural color but you take Mm. that away you just have the cast of it and it just looks just like everybody else Mm. and for both those women it was a really significant experience to be able to experience their their cast and to see that they're actually just completely normal looking down there and and I, I think that was You know, as we said, there are many stories, but those were two very, very therapeutic results for the people that came to get cast. Mm. And then obviously for people, other people who've had that can see these casts in the Great Wall of Vagina and experience the same thing. That's what's great about it. It's like it transmits that to other people as well who have a similar experience.
0: I was just about to share that I remember um, visiting for the first time and just the effect that had on me as someone who you know, my vagina was not part of your wall, but it still had a very effect on me that I will remember throughout my lifetime. And I've spoken to others about, it just has that that power behind it to transform how we view ourselves as a woman, how we view our body as a woman and, and to support acceptance because it was a real wow they are all so different and this huge thing for me of realising that not one was more beautiful than the other. It wasn't a comparison thing, it was all, like they were so unique and individual and in that there was a there was a beauty and, and that's what I really came away with.
1: That's really interesting to hear and it's really gladdening to hear the, the experience mm. of you know, someone seeing it as a you know, somebody who didn't contribute, but just a viewer of it. And I I've come to understand that it has it it is very successful in what Mm. it set out to do. You know, I just think it's not the first I'm not the first person that ever made a cast of Evolver. And I, I certainly haven't been the last. You know, there seems to be a sort of mm. you know, explosion Hygemic. of vulva casting <laughs> happening all over the world now, and it, which I think I, to some extent, I must have contributed to because it sure you sure you sure weren't hearing about it ten years ago or no. you know well, even more thirteen years ago when I started this project it wasn't a thing mm. you know but here we are now and it seems like every other Instagram page is someone making vulva art which is mm. brilliant you know and I know mm. that. I know that sometimes my work's been influential because people tell me, mm. you know, and, you know, people, students are like, interviewing me. They're like, oh, I'm studying your Great Wall of Vagina in, in, in art history. Mm. Can I interview you? And I think that's great, <laughs> but it also makes me feel like a fossil. You know, I'm like, I went from studying art history to being art history. I'm like, mm. when, did I, when did I get old?
0: <laughs> you know, do, you, do you want me to tell you when that
1: was? <laughs> <laughs> no, I had like to pretend I'm not. Um <laughs>
0: no, and it's just wonderful <laughs> that you've created something that will have an effect for years to come. Yeah. Something uh solid that, you know, won't for generations and generations it will have an effect. You know, and there's like the older women like me, but then I can see it's also having an effect on the younger Girls growing into women Mm. and blossoming and, you know, really learning to own their womanhood and what their body's changing into. So it's having an effect on all ages, which is a perfect gift for any artist to give, I think. Well I,
1: It makes me feel like I did something right with mine life, and that sounds dramatic, but you know, sort of forevermore, this thing will exist. It's like a library which is available to anyone mm. who has a concern, and every generation is going to have the same concerns. I don't see a point, because that's just, you know, teenagers worry about all that stuff yeah, that's, their bodies. That's it's the norm, just Yeah, so it? this isn't going to stop. It's not no. as if that you do this job once and it's over. We've solved the body mm. issue. It's just like it has to happen. Every generation needs to go through the same curve. And the more information there is out there to assist them, the better, the easier that becomes. And before the Great Wall of Vagina, there wasn't anything to... There no. was nothing like it.
0: I would like to hope that one day this um, this desire to have cosmetic surgery and on vulvas to make them something they're not so so seemingly perfect would stop you know i hear you about the teenagers moving into womanhood and how that will always be there because that's part of our development and learning who we are but i do sincerely hope that your great wool of vagina will support diminishing (laughs) um yeah this need to change to change I... And perfect something that already is beautiful. Yeah, I think this is the... This is, body image thing's got a bit out of hand. It's got a bit out of hand. It really is time we grew up around this stuff. It is. That's I mean, exactly it. It's like growing it up. It
1: is growing up. And I think mm. this, this... this, this, People... I think it all comes down to fear. Most mm. people's weird behaviour comes around anxieties, around something. And it's the fear of not being loved or not being accepted or being shamed. All that stuff feeds mm. into people's fears. And then... That means that their, their difference, their uniqueness makes them, gives them anxiety rather than giving them a source of pleasure. I mean, mm. the fact that basically that kind of desire for homogeny, to look the same, is basically out of fear of not being comfortable with the way you look. And I think society can, we can do something about that within our society. And I, I do think this kind of um, trend towards, you know, beauty over, over brains is something that will reverse and I think to be honest I think it in, in some places it already is Yeah. because you know these impossible models of beauty that are only achievable from going under the knife are is so insane that it's kind of it's got so grotesque that I think mm. there will be a, a backlash against it and people will think well you know what I'd rather spend my money on something else and screw mm. you if you don't like the way I look and I think mm. that's that's the way we should all be thinking. Screw you if you don't like the way I look. I
0: just, I just think beauty isn't something what it looks like. It's actually someone who is comfortable in their own skin and in their body and their yeah. own in that because there's then a complete ease around being around them. And that's beautiful. Um, well, it's, someone who's it's, really owning themselves, yeah. that's beauty. And it's
1: much sexier yeah, to totally. be with someone who is comfortable in their body and isn't mm. constantly wondering if, what angle yeah. that you can have sex with them at or how much of their body they can cover. Because then mm. you can't relax if they're not relaxed. And so mm. there is, you know, this kind of being comfortable in your own skin is sexy in its own right. And so, you know, that's quite interesting, I find. you know. Yeah. And I go, oh, you're right, you know, the notions of beauty, I mean, where does that even come from? And we are a little bit stuck with with classical proportion as given mm. to us by Greek and Roman sculpture, for instance, which is are these versions of beauty that really haven't changed that much. Mm. Um, and on one level, they're versions of of health. And I think it's difficult to, to divorce a healthy body, shall we say, from... A beautiful one. I think that's where those aesthetics come from to some extent. But within that, there's a room for an awful lot of variety. Hmm. You know what I mean? Even
0: those statues. Some of the women have very rounded bellies and very full hips.
1: Well, I think that was about chunky. Should
0: we say chunky, chunky (laughs) (laughs) thighs? they're not it they're doesn't not mean they weren't healthy with, yeah no, but they're yeah. not sticks with they're tits not, they're like not sticks
1: with tits no. and you know which is fine <laughs> if you're naturally sticks with tits there's nothing wrong with that either no, this is the thing no we don't isn't. want to sort of say somehow there's something wrong with that no but there has to be a view that there are more vo- more models of beauty than just just, just one. one yeah i mean i just laugh when i look at people with their lips full of stuff or inflated looking like a fish i just think what have mm. you done? How do you think that's attractive? I would rather kiss my dad than those mm. balloon lips that you've created. Just to me, they look grotesque. Anything that moves further away from the natural, natural. body, to me, mm. is getting less and less attractive. Well,
0: can you imagine if trees and birds <laughs> were doing all these things to change the way they look. <laughs> <laughs> that's just craziness. That's a very strange image.
1: Uh, that is very weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so just before we say goodbye, <laughs> I'd just like to just lightly touch on the other work you were sharing because for me, personally, that's... Um, been a huge thing you were sharing you've been sharing a lot of work around breasts haven't you and breast cancer and um, molds of breasts as well
1: yeah so i think there's an inevitability when you work with a body that you know human frailty and and medical conditions you're not picky
0: about what bit you work with are
1: you i like all bits yeah Yeah, it's funny isn't it um yeah i you know a lot of my people that came to, 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 to my business to get cast um, were in the process of, of, of a a cancer treatment or they'd just been diagnosed with breast cancer or they were having to have a mastectomy and they were getting mm. cast beforehand. And so my understanding around breast cancer was became um, quite profound just by that con- constant contact with different people and their experience. And so when I started doing um, some of my scanning photography work and making scans of people's bras and boobs and what have you, Mm. the obvious thing to me was to then use this as a fundraiser for a breast cancer charity. And so Mm. that sort of became the first version of that work, actually. Mm. And um, the charity I chose, which was Breast Cancer UK, I quite like them because they... They work with the, with the notion of trying to, of prevention rather than cure, so mm. looking at the the sort of hormone disruptors in plastic bottles and stuff like that, and mm. seeing if there's a way to reduce the incidence rather than trying to fix the problem and I, th- I think I liked that mm. but yeah i i I sort of some people say well why don't you do stuff more with men and i 'm just like. Well, there's no real reason apart from I just have no interest in male bodies. I don't know how to make them look interesting because mm. they're not interesting to me. So I just think, you know, someone well, yeah, else that, can do that's it. That's your bag. That's your bag. <laughs> you know what I mean? Someone else can do it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. But, you know, I feel f- as a woman speaking for all women, <laughs> and I want to thank you for, you know, your art is... Supporting so much healing for our bodies, so I want to say thank you.
1: Well, thank you, thank you, Michelle. You know, I, 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 I've been been asked to be on the advisory board of the Vagina Museum,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is a museum which they're hoping to build in London, and the, 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 the I'm the only male on this board. Mm-hmm. is really significant to me, and it makes me feel like I've, I've been accepted as doing something good and helpful towards women and that I'm I'm just it's just I don't know why but I just feel that's a really good thing to sort of somehow Mm. as a male to show that as a model of maleness it doesn't Mm. have you know you you can be an advocate for women you know yeah
0: I said to you before that you know I think it's important for women to hear a man's perspective because we can discuss it within each other but really when we're growing up from young girls into women, there is a concern about what boys like and what men like, mm. and uh, I suppose that's where we start to model and change ourselves. So to actually hear a male voice saying, "You know, I did this great wall of vaginas, and every single one of them I enjoyed, and every single one of them was a beauty to me," it, it, you know, that's that's a wonderful message for women to be receiving from a male perspective because it helps us to see that actually what we are thinking men are thinking <laughs> is really not what men are thinking.
1: That's that's probably true. We know, and you know I always say And you men
0: know, say that as well. Yeah. Know. You know, when we're being anxious or cautious about our bodies during a sexual act, for example, it's like they can't see the cellulite or they can't, they're not, they're not looking. are not looking. Well. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. And,
1: you know, I say to people that, you know, if you're, if you're, if anyone's ever giving you shame around your genitals, I just say, don't change your parts, change, change your partner. Change your
0: partner. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's the perfect place to say thank you, Jamie.
1: Thanks, Michelle. Sure.
0: You have been listening to Brighton Talk Sex, audio hosted by Michelle Roberton. For more information, please visit brightontalksex.com.